Christy. What's up? Did you know that Netflix, in addition to the Babysitter's Club show, also offers original content in a bunch of other genres, including the reality show where five gay men help people get their lives back in order? Did you know that? I mean, I wasn't aware, but when I heard the phrase Queer Eye uttered by Stacey McGill... Uh-huh. <laughs> I uh, I was enlightened. Like it was a like scales fell from my eyes, and suddenly I knew. Suddenly I was aware that I was watching a Netflix program. Did you know that sometimes they force synergy into their products? I love this episode. I I really do. Uh-huh. That moment. Ugh. With the theme song and everything. Yeah, I mean, the, I will say like it it propels things forward in as much as it's a plot that they've already started picking up on with the whole room makeover thing. But what a way to do it. I turned to Alana as we were watching it, and we both had this look on our face like, oh God, are they really doing this? Well, welcome to welcome to a podcast. <laughs> welcome to a podcast. Welcome to Pizza Toast, a Babysitters Club podcast. I'm Phil Gonzalez. I'm Christy Admiral, and uh, today we're talking about Claudia and Mean Janine, and this is actually like an okay entry point to, the, to this episode, <laughs> which is about Mimi's stroke, which we knew was coming, right? Like we, the, this hung heavy over the series for me, uh-huh. and. Uh, they use. They are able to also use the framing device of Marianne is redecorating her room, and they need to find a way to redecorate it, but still hang on to the past. Yeah, as well as kicking us forward in the book series to the Claudia having an art exhibit of her candy art. Yeah, that's. There's some strange timeline uh, shifting going on. I mean, also Trevor is not as much a part of the series as they're making him on the show. Meaning (laughs) Trevor doesn't pop up in more than a book. Exactly. Like uh, (laughs) in the, in the series Bible, I think he's mentioned like, I mean, he gets his own entry because he's mentioned twice or something like that. Yeah. He's I, 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 I'm not mad about it. I like having more just like peripheral characters around. We get a lot of them in this episode. I did find it odd that they chose to focus on Claudia's art career as opposed to Claudia spending more time with Mimi or Claudia's parents having more lines. Yeah. See, I really like this episode primarily because I think it it, uh, delivers emotionally for two different storylines. So I think it does a good job kind of putting a bow on Marianne's father's reaction Uh in the previous episode to having like the room that his wife, his late wife designed more or less destroyed. And, uh, (laughs) and then uh, of course, like Claudia and, uh, the, uh, titular mean Janine kind of not bonding, but forming like a fragile piece at the end of the very fragile piece. Uh, Yes. This was uh I'm going to I'm just going to come around and say it. I think this was one of my least favorite episodes so far. It's so interesting because I think it might be my favorite. Uh, yeah, so you told so me before far. the show. I was like, "Oh, we're, yeah. we're on opposite ends again." <laughs> I guess for me uh, there are so many small character moments in this one that don't belong to Claudia. Mm-hmm that it felt it feels more like an ensemble piece than some of the previous ones to me. Like my favorite scene 
is uh, Marianne being grilled by Dawn and Christy about whether she actually likes her new room. I thought that everything in this episode that didn't involve Claudia and Janine worked very well. Yeah. Unfortunately, I didn't like this stuff between Claudia and Janine. It felt too artificial to me. I was going to say, Janine doesn't feel like a real character Right, and that's one of my issues. And actually, she didn't... Claudia came across as slightly more emotionless than I was hoping. She has like a very stoic attitude she adopts that Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm not getting either of these girls having a big emotional response to Mimi. I'm having mostly just them sniping at each other. Yeah, and Claudia is meaner than Janine is in this episode. Like, let's be clear. (laughs) She at one... Okay, so... Uh, I mean, like basic summary of this episode. Yes. Bas- oh, and and spo- uh, and of yeah. course, as always, we are completely spoiled on the books. We are not watching the episodes ahead of the episode we're currently discussing, so we may pontificate about things from the books, but not from the shows in advance. Yes, this is a this is an episode ostensibly about Claudia, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. and Mean Janine, and yes, and Mean Janine. Uh, we. We kind of we open though with Claudia and Stacy uh, proposing uh, kind of like an arrangement to Richard, who, as as you may recall, things didn't end great for Richard and Marianne in the previous episode. Nope. And I don't love that that thread is just not like that's not really they didn't really close the loop on that. Like they seem fine with each other in this one. Yeah. Yeah. But I'll forgive them for that, I guess. But yeah, so they they beg Richard to allow them to to secretly make over Cl- uh, Marianne's bedroom, a la Queer Eye, the uh, Netflix, the hit Netflix reality <laughs> They call themselves the Terrific Two or something. Yeah, it's kind of cute. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, and they seem like these are the kids who would watch Queer Eye. Like that, yeah. that makes sense. And these are the kids who would get very excited about redoing. Uh, yes. A room. So while Claudia takes the lead on redoing the room, Stacy gives Richard a makeover, which is like I'm I'm not interested in this until later in the episode. Uh, Elizabeth Thomas <laughs> says something about how nice Richard's hair looks, and he says it has clay in it. And yep. And I've just been waiting for the Mark Evan Jackson deadpan this whole time, and this whole episode is him being deadpan. Like there's he not- gets. He gets some great lines in this episode. He does. Like that, that aren't funny lines until he says them. And you're like, oh, right. Comedy classic. The, that's classic him. Like, yeah. yeah. Those words in, in, coming from another person, not funny. From him, hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> but also, uh, we, we get confirmation that he and Sharon are split up. Yes. Uh, um, and we get that because he talks to Elizabeth Thomas at one point. Mm-hmm. And we find out that he knows what Elizabeth said about him. About right. Tucking Tucks his shirt in. <laughs> yes. Which I love. I, that that scene plays really well for me. Yeah. And I'm happy again that we got more adult stuff. That we got more grown up talk. Yeah. And all of it is good. And none of it really, fe- like, it all feels organic. Like, it's mm-hmm. not, it doesn't feel unnecessary. And it does, and it feels like actual dialogue again. Like, I, I like right. it. I'm into it, and you and you and you know that he still likes Sharon when they have this conversation because he 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 compliments her to Liz. He's yeah, like, oh, he calls lovely her lovely. I think he calls her yeah. free spirited, and it's. I mean, he's clearly still pretty hung up on her. 
obviously they're going to do more with that in the episodes right. to come. Like there's no way around that. But it does create a bit of a it does create a bit of a an odd odd continuity thing in the episode though, because uh Dawn ends up coming to like eat dinner with everyone and there's no like there's no acknowledgement on her part that her mother was dating this guy like it's weird I, I was like oh i figured it would be a little more awkward like or there would be like a moment between her and marianne like isn't it weird that our parents are like nope <laughs> we don't need I, that yeah not when, not when sam thomas is there to fill some, I get, oh to fill right we get we get more delightful sam thomas we get sam this. and we get logan in this episode it feels like a real treat yeah and we get a and we get a, a brief cameo by david michael yes true forgot like he has no lines the camera never focuses on him at one, at one point alana was like who's that on the floor and i'm like i think it's david michael just face down on the floor, drawing a card. So why is he drawing a card, though, Phil? <laughs> why is he doing <laughs> okay. that? Uh, yeah, are we summarizing this episode? No, we're doing a great job. So uh, Marianne gets a new room uh, and seems hesitant about it. Put Kind of put a pit in that. Because then yeah. we have to get back to the A plot of Claudia and Janine sort of feuding. But Janine is not aware that they are feuding. Right. Because <laughs> Janine has no emotions. Janine actually does speak in a really robotic way until... The emotional coda of the episode. Yeah, Janine is given the thankless task of uh, of having to speak impossible lines. Uh, they're almost like uh, I, I'm reminded of when Carrie Fisher talked about auditioning for Star Wars, and she was mm. like, when she got handed the the script, and she was like, you can't; these lines are impossible to say. Like, you can't talk like this. And so they had to like figure out how to say these really awkward George Lucas lines. Well, mean Janine. Janine just talks like in like a technical manual in the books always. So having an actor have to say, uh, uh, I think her name is uh, Aya uh, Furukawa. Mm -hmm. Having having Aya Furukawa have to say these lines is so unfair because Janine is supposed to be emotionally distant, but not emotionless. She's not supposed to be talking like a robot because she's a robot, but because (laughs) that's kind of how she builds that distance. Yeah. Between herself and other people, like, it's a she's a complex, a difficult character, and I just I felt so bad for like any actor having to having to play this difficult role, who then has to have a huge emotional turnaround at the end of the story. And I think there may have been a more elegant way to script this, because surely there's a space between uh, somebody who speaks normally and somebody who is like too analytical by half like there's a way to make the brainiac character feel more organic than what this ends up being i think she should i mean no no fault to the actor but i think the character should have been younger that that is one thing because uh janine is 16 in the books i believe right yeah and that gap has always i mean it doesn't feel like a massive gulf or anything, but it might have right. been nice to cast a younger act- actor. I think part of it is also we don't get to see Janine in any of the other episodes. Like she doesn't pop up like she does in the books. Like in the books, she's just kind of always there. Like they go to Claudia's house for meetings and Janine says something smart. And so we're always <laughs> we're, so we're kind of used to Janine just kind of being around. But because of the way these episodes are structured, we haven't seen Janine in a while. And then all of a sudden we're back with her and we're supposed to be like engaged in this relationship i don't know no i get it so we like we basically open on in the kishi home we open on claudia showing trevor sanborn her art and Mm -hmm. uh janine 
interrupting like kind of a cute little conversation they're having uh <laughs> to question uh claudia's inspiration and whether or not it's an homage to to andy warhol which is actually a valid right. question that claudia should I, I be. was thinking that too yeah i was like well okay so another point in the tv series claudia is operating artistically at like a professional level like yes her art looks like it could be used in a Tootsie Roll ad, in mm-hmm. a in a in a candy ad. Like it, it looks like a, a magazine illustration. Like yeah. it's beautiful, and I'm wondering how she got that technically proficient, without seeming to actually know anything about art history. It's a little strange, and yeah, and then that is reinforced in the next scene when we find out because. Uh, it's a Surat, I believe, is the yeah. answer to a Trivial Pursuit question, a game that Janine wanted to play and Mimi uh, facilitated. Uh, and Claudia gets very angry about Janine expecting her to know the answer about a pretty basic technique and yeah. a pretty common artist, like or like commonly known artist. And uh, Claudia ends up screaming at Janine. Yeah. Mimi has to go to bed with headache and then... Mimi collapses in the other room and Le- leading to my favorite uh my favorite subtitles on on Netflix which is in in brackets <laughs> Mimi shouts and then in brackets thud <laughs> uh, and it's on it's on one screen it just says Mimi shouts <laughs> thud the captioning on Netflix shows like the ones I've been watching lately has just been magnificent like somebody's working overtime there <laughs> Or, or except for the except for later in the episode where the where the caption says and I quote chattering in Japanese. Oh no! And I'm no. like, seriously, <laughs> chattering? I not take back speaking? anything nice I said. Not conversing? You refer to their language as chattering? <laughs> oh, that's particularly offensive. Give oh, there's just a lot to unpack there that I don't want to. There really is. <laughs> Uh, but in any case, yeah. So Mimi has her has her predicted stroke. Yes, and you know the first hospital scene is bizarre because it's uh, Janine kind of showing off her knowledge mm-hmm. of uh, of strokes, which is not a it, it, yeah yeah not a not a normal thing for a sixteen year old to be very into. But the uh, the doctor seems pretty, pretty impressed. The doctor is impressed. The doctor seems a little confused, but also impressed. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's like, like, oh, you know what an ischemic stroke is. And <laughs> speaking as okay, so strokes are brought up in this episode a few times. Yes. And brain injury is mentioned a few times. And as someone who works for a brain injury organization, I will say that I'm happy that they used the appropriate terms that they casually tossed out a few facts about stroke and brain injury. I was like, good on you. Like we got diabetes a few episodes ago. Now we're getting, now we're getting stroke and brain injury. And they treat stroke relatively realistically in the episode. I also like this day player actor playing the doctor because so Uh often on television programs, doctors have no bedside manner. And this woman is great. Like this, like she seems super competent. She tells them exactly what's going on, is very gentle with Claudio, and she says that we can't let uh, you in the ICU because you're too young. It's a, yeah. it's, it's a, I mean, it just kind of moves the narrative along that Claudia is then 
kind of shut out of this part of Mimi's recovery process. She is. And uh, and uh, we, we get some body language from Janine who just sort of like stalks over to the other side of the room and just kind of lines up and gets ready to go to the room. <laughs> uh, it's really quick and it's not, it's, the, the, the camera doesn't linger on it. But if you watch Janine, like the doctor's like, all right, you can go to the ICU. And she just kind of like scoots across, does a pivot and just waits for the rest of the family. And I'm like, all right, all right. <laughs> What an interesting performance this actor is giving. Like honestly, but, it's but not mean. No, no, she is never at any point. I would, I would say she's cold. I'd say she's yes. very analytical, and that comes off as mm-hmm. distant and standoffish. But I don't think she's particularly mean to Claudia at any point. One of my pet peeves, uh, stroke wise, happens in this scene though, where uh, where she mentions that. Uh, that the doctor mentions that Mimi is having trouble speaking or she can't, she's not, she's not verbal yet. And, uh, and Claudia says something along the lines of she can't speak uh, or will she be able to speak? And the doctor says um, she may, she may regain her speech. Miracles do happen. And I'm like, dude, she had the stroke like an hour ago. Like you don't even know what, you don't even know. She couldn't even have had, had any testing done yet. Don't say that her being able to speak again is going to be a miracle. Like people <laughs> people regain their speech. It's not impossible. It happens all the time. No, I was going to say it's actually like I, I think every every person I know who has suffered a stroke has gotten back at least some of their their former language skills. Like that's right. not so wild. Miracles do happen. <laughs> Miracles do happen. I mean, by the end of the episode, Mimi is speaking not quite full sentences, but she's uh, like she is recovering quickly. So trying to remember the order here. uh, Uh, This is uh, soon after this is when uh, Claudia refers to Janine as having caused Mimi's stroke. Yes. And also says that Mimi loves uh, Claudia more than she loves. Oh, that's what it is. Yep. The meanest the meanest thing them, you can say. It's so awful. And Stacy is there and witnesses this uh, this happening. Yeah. And just kind of, like, her eyes widen <laughs> for a second and then she's right back to it. And they also stage Janine like a monster or a ghoul in this scene. She creeps <laughs> up behind Claudia. And, like, the camera, like, suddenly she's just there. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> like, they're really setting her up as, like, some kind of weird adversary. But, again, it's Claudia who's like, she loved me more. <laughs> <laughs> to which Janine pivots on her heel and then walks walks down. She, the that is actually the only time she looks genuinely hurt in this episode. Yeah, like that. She gets yeah. She gets this look on her face. That like, oh hits her in a, in a way that like we previously weren't sure if she felt emotion or not, but she does feel that one. Good set dressing touch. Uh, Stacy carrying things around in the uh, medium brown bag from Bloomingdale's. Oh. <laughs> Admittedly, an extremely Upper West Side thing to do <laughs> made it made me really happy. <laughs> Uh, other set dressing touch. When they redid Marianne's room, they put three three Broadway posters. Oh my goodness! I was hoping we would talk about this. They, 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 so the girls decided that she needed some. They mentioned this in the last episode that she needed some Broadway stuff, uh, and so they put Wicked, Hamilton, Hamilton, and Be More Chill, a musical that I, fun fact, hate. <laughs> a musical that, fun fact. Uh, Minneapolis Musical Theater was doing a production of as it premiered on Broadway and they had to get like special permission because they'd already like had it on their roster to do. Yeah, that was a show that existed long before its Broadway run that really had yeah. a cult following. It's kind of like a Heather's The Musical situation. For some reason, that is a musical that resonates with people 
uh, between the ages of 13 and 17 that I can't, I find unlistenable. And that's uncommon for me with a show that's really <laughs> targeted toward a younger generation. Like it's, I mean, like I had Spring Awakening and these kids have this. That just seems unfair. To me, Be More Chill is the show for the kids who are too cool for uh, Dear Evan Hansen. That's actually, no, that, that, that tracks. Like they kind of, it kind of tries to play to the same audience, mm-hmm. but it's a little more like jaded and a little more. That's true. I will, it, but a, it is good poster design. Like I'll give them that. Their creative uh-huh. department was very, like their, their marketing and advertising was very good. So it looks nice with the like the contrast oh, between yeah. that and the others. The her room looks great. I would have loved to have that room as a <laughs> Yeah, I want those thirteen year olds or twelve year olds to come to my house and do a little design work. I made a note of Stacy saying because Stacy has all the right moves in this episode of her saying that the rug is her husband because it's just a really cute thing to say. And then she says, "I'm going to divorce the rug and marry this pillow." Yes, it's a very it's a cute little scene, and you start to see shades because um, uh, the actress who plays Marianne uh, is starting to show shades of uh, not loving her room. Yeah, Malia Baker. Malia Baker. She's not obvious about it. And only mm-hmm. like, I think at that point, only Christy really notices what's going on. This is one of my favorite Malia Baker performances because she gets to really show Marianne's like, like her social awkwardness and how her shyness can act against her mm-hmm. in ways that they really haven't been able to in previous episodes because they were so focused on her yeah. since she's the b plot in this they kind of get to pl- i feel sometimes the b plots get a little more room to play around and for you to really see the characters and in this one like she gets some in- like from not being able to tell her friends she doesn't like the room <laughs> or she doesn't know why she doesn't like the room but there's something about it that rubs her the wrong way and uh hint it has to do with that humpty dumpty picture <laughs> Uh, and I do then like also, that we eventually get around to how, like, how deeply disturbing it is to look at the Humpty Dumpty picture, picture. <laughs> all the way up to her interactions at the uh, upcoming art uh, ex- exhibit. We get some wonderful, hilarious oh, uh, reactions from her. So funny! Like, I yeah. her comedic timing, particularly because it doesn't seem practiced, because it always comes out of her being too nervous to say something. And ending mm-hmm. up saying the wrong thing or not saying anything at all. It's she's just so good at delivering that. Like Yeah. I love her I loved her in this one. But okay, so yeah, Claudia has an art show that <laughs> Yeah. But before this, we have all the neighbors showing up to her house with food. Yes. Uh, um, including casseroles that are healthy casseroles yes. from Richard and a uh, box box on box of pizza from uh, uh, Liz Thomas. And, and so Liz shows up with with Henry or David Henry. I was going to say Henry Thomas. Yeah. She does yeah. not show up with Henry Thomas. <laughs> she that up would with be weird. The kid from E.T. <laughs> yeah, he's old now, but Netflix, Netflix approved <laughs> actor. All comes back around. Yeah. Uh, no, uh, she shows up with David, Michael and, and Christy and, uh, and Marianne shows up with Richard and uh, eventually they call in Dawn. The implication to me was that they just gave Dawn a call and probably yeah. Dawn didn't think, this is the perfect time to set our parents back up, even though that's what Don would think. Right. Uh, I did feel Sharon is notably missing from the, from the group though. I was like, this is weird. It is a little strange. And Sam is there. Presumably he knew Stacy was going to be there and joined. That's the, that's kind of the idea we get. And they all make cards for maybe 
Sam draws a blender for some mm-hmm. reason. It's a thing he does. And we get a cute little interaction, like a sibling interaction between Sam and Christy. Yeah, and they, they really talk about their situation. Where Sam highlights uh, Christy, like, Christy's resistance to the marriage of her mother and Watson, even though Watson is a super great guy who loves her mother mother very much. It's great. Yeah. Yeah, Sam, you see Sam demonstrate that he is older than Christy. Like he's, he's slightly more mature. He has a little more of a balanced outlook on what's going on, but he's still the age he is because he draws that blender. And (laughs) there is something about a boy that age not realizing that his offbeat sense of humor probably won't be appreciated by the old Japanese woman who just had a stroke. <laughs> but he's too he's too much that age to to think about things like that. To him it's it's more important that he did this funny thing. I get that. Like I get that impulse. That's a very realistic like impulse no, for a kid true. that and, but do. he doesn't lack interiority because he does talk that about right the reality of like oh our mom is in love with this man and it seems like we're all going to be doing materially better at the very least after they get married yes. <laughs> so maybe you should be happy about it and Chris, right. Chrissy kind of concedes on that point too which i like we also get liz almost putting a cast iron skillet in the dishwasher oh that i found that really upsetting actually <laughs> Yeah, like, well, and Richard, of course, being the person to be like, ah, 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 and ah, Richard isn't a jerk about it, which I might have no. been. Like that's a that's a it's <laughs> a wild move on her part, and that's when we get the conversation between uh, Liz and Richard, where she she finds out that he found out <laughs> what she yeah. said. Uh, he doesn't necessarily seem to blame her for it, but he doesn't seem thrilled about it. Well, but it's and it's a nice bookend to last episode yes. scene with her and Sharon. Like they 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 complement each other very well. They do. Uh, they're not dissimilar interactions, honestly. No. Uh, and and I, and I think it speaks to Alicia Silverstone's just her power as an actor that uh, we haven't really gotten to see in many years. No, it's it, it has been really great to know that it wasn't just stunt casting to have her like really when that was one of the first casting announcements to come out about this show I was like well she doesn't have anything to do so why does it even matter that she's there Mm -hmm. but no she's had a ton to do she's a she's a really important character and I think Shannon pointed this out last week which was if you watch her and then you turn and you watch Sophie Grace as Christy you can see where they have adopted has to be intentionally certain mannerisms and and inflections that a mother and a daughter would share. Well, I love good parent-child casting. It's true. Yeah, it's true. It works. Uh, and because we don't ever see the father, <laughs> we don't have to know what the, what, what she would have looked like. It I mean, hopefully it, we won't. Like, this isn't. It's not going to take like the movie turn where she's like seeing him in secret. Oh, we hope not. I, I, we don't know. Yeah, maybe that'll be the big cliffhanger. Um. So Mimi wakes up, uh, Liz bursts in and says, we just got a call, Mimi's awake. And Claudia goes into Mimi's room and she tries to give Mimi the card. Mimi's just just laying there with a, a look on her face, not responding to anything Claudia says until she starts trying to speak. And then she starts speaking to Claudia nonsensically. Uh, yeah. Peaches, horses, and houses, these are the three mm-hmm. things she's talking about, and she's getting increasingly more upset as Claudia mm-hmm. doesn't understand her. Clearly, whatever she's talking about is something that is 
negative. Like, and, yeah. and Claudia doesn't seem like she has no idea how to respond to this. She's just trying to talk about her art show. And that's just not, none of it is going like, none of it is actually. Yeah. Claudia's trying to be light. And yeah, be like, hey. sounding like her normal self, but even more so, like kind of ticked up a couple notches. I'm a little put off by the fact that no one went in with her. Yeah. Uh, no one seems to have explained any of this to her. No. And then when Mimi gets upset, this I, nurse or orderly or orderly somebody just like out of in. nowhere yeah. bursts into the room and goes, she's upset. And he shoves Claudia out of the way. And then she just goes stumbling out of the room. And I was like, who is this guy? Who is the upset orderly? Like whose job is to like, wait until someone gets upset and then shove any kids out of the room. And you know what? He does a great job. He does an effective job. He does. He's like, she's upset. Pushes her out of the room. Parents don't come in. Claudia just stands at the window and like looks mournful. (laughs) Who is the orderly? He's my, he's my VIP character for the episode. (laughs) disagree um <laughs> this is an episode with richard and, uh, and richard is in top form therefore that guy second place second tier. upset orderly uh so yeah so then we get the we get the art exhibit scene and this is where kind of like a lot of stuff comes together. a lot happens very quickly uh we find out that claudia doesn't really eh, she doesn't really know how to explain her art to somebody who is critiquing it Mm-hmm. And that's not, it's not a surprising revelation, but it's disappointing to watch. And it's, uh, uh, the, uh, one of the people on the panel of judges or what have you so, says, like, if you choose to pursue art, and that seems to really hit Claudia hard, like, real, like, people not knowing that this is clearly what she's going to do with the rest of her life. And also, clearly, this child has an amazing well of talent, like, even if you don't understand why this 12-year-old is drawing Tootsie Roll Pops, look at her Tootsie Roll Pops. They are um, You could put that on a billboard and sell Tootsie Rolls with that dress. It's true. And she also, like, she says something very endearing about how she likes how her, like, her crinkles came out on the wrappers. Yeah. And to me, that would be enough from a 12-year-old who's very talented. Yeah, this is the, uh, the uh, by the way, this is the Eastern Connecticut District Art Show. And this woman is Paula. They only refer to her as yes. Paula. And uh, and she's from the Summer Art Institute in New Haven. Yes, which is which, which is, is how fancy, which is how you say it. <laughs> yeah, it's how fancy people. It's like what fancy people call Yale, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, uh, one a uh, uh, friend of my podcast, uh, Frankie Thomas, uh, was living in New Haven for the for the last little while because her wonderful husband was a was a surgical resident there. And that was maybe her favorite line of this series. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, so uh, also this woman should have been played by Catherine O'Hara. Like, I feel like they cast somebody who is like Uncanny Valley Catherine O'Hara. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she's not mean. She's not. She's just, she, they said that like kids Claudia's age don't usually like get even considered. Like, it's just, it's it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, one in a million chance that Claudia would be would be selected uh, for this prize anyway, and uh, I think the woman does a decent job, except that when she when she says she she kind of shoots Claudia down, yes. and I'm like, dude, obviously the kid's talent, like it's just it's very clear, like encourage. Her. I don't know. I was pretty upset. It's a, at her. It's a strange scene, and we also 
there's no real takeaway from it beyond like okay so claudia has to do the more thinking about her art got it like we don't yeah. know if she did or didn't get into this program like we i have it i have it in my notes i said i wrote i was hoping this scene would lead to claudia wanting to learn more about her art like like having some kind of like revelation of oh if i'm going to take this seriously i do need to take this seriously yeah but no, like it just, it immediately becomes about Marianne. Yeah. And she, I mean, like Claudia isn't going to have time for that given what she learns in the rest of the episode. Right, right. There is more going on. Uh, but yeah, so then we get the delightful Marianne scene. Yes. Uh, so Marianne is looking at an illustration of a basket of eggs. Uh-huh. And Logan tries to strike up a conversation with her and she fails miserably. She says, yeah. she asks what the basket of eggs is at one point. <laughs> and he it's says, I so think it's funny. A ba- I think it's a basket of eggs. <laughs> she just She's says all, eggs. Uh, <laughs> eggs. That's right. And then runs runs around a corner and says bye. <laughs> <laughs> and runs right into uh and runs right into Christy and uh and Dawn who are spying on her. Yes, and Dawn says Adorably. Well, Dawn Dawn says, Well you spoke, which is very good. Shoshi Gomez yes. is so so good at her character, at Dawn. Yes. Uh, she gets very few lines in this episode and she steals not steals the scenes, but I don't know. There is something about the just if it's the direction or who they chose to play the role. She just in, imbues the character with more life than I was expecting the character of Dawn to have. So I'm constantly just delighted at her performance. I like Show Dawn so much more than I like Book Dawn. <laughs> like, yeah, I can't imagine Show Dawn going Book Dawn's direction. No. Also, I see. You have greater complaints about this episode than I do, and I think there are totally valid critiques. My biggest complaint is that there's just not enough Dawn in this episode now that I've had a taste. Like, <laughs> Well, so they run into Christy and Dawn, and Christy says, like, they, they're talking about Logan. Yes. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Christy says, so how, like, so how how do you like your new room? And she says it with an inflection that lead that led me to assume there was a chunk of scene that got excised because she says it in a way that makes it sound like they had just been talking about the room. Like maybe it got brought up and Marianne was waffling about it. And then Christy was finally just like, because she says it out of nowhere. They're that talking about true. something else. It's a very quick shift in subject. I would think that Christy would also say something about Logan because she's, I mean, Marianne's her best friend. She's invested in right. what's going on there. It is. It does feel abrupt. Uh, directionally, it feels okay, but I'm sure they were able to smooth it over. Oh, yeah. yeah no, it's just, I, I assume that they shoot more than they use. I mean, they have to edit it down to a certain amount of time. Yeah. Uh, but what I guess what I'm saying is Netflix, <laughs> go the Disney Plus route and release some deleted scenes. <laughs> Netflix, fewer Queer Eye references. More, <laughs> you, more Don Schaefer. This is all we less, have. Less Fab Five. More, I guess they're Fab Five. Like they're <laughs> they are literally of the Fab Five. More yeah. this Fab Five. <laughs> but this is where we get the the beautiful shot of like Marianne saying that she does like the room, and Sophie Grace and Sochi Gomez having the best pair of skeptical expressions I've ever seen <laughs> on two twelve year olds. It is. If I could get it. Uh, if I could get just a little animation of that, 
that I would use that as like 75% of my reactions. It, yeah, I sent you like a, a screen cap of it and you said I have like you had also screen capped it already. So I downloaded a, a, a Chrome extension just so I could do screenshots of Netflix. And Good it's call. become like my favorite thing. <laughs> uh uh since i since i downloaded it but i did get that squinty eyed glare oh, between the two of them they look and i also like i mean it's the funniest frame in the episode but also really good encapsulation of like the christian dawn dynamic of not ganging up on marianne but kind of ganging mm-hmm. up on marianne yeah and also showing that they both are good friends with each other now and with marianne and it doesn't feel forced to me because of the power of the last episode mm-hmm. and the skill of those two actors in particular it makes sense that they now get along yes um so so the, the so the scene that was ostensibly about claudia's art career becomes a more delightful about these characters. <laughs> yes. Um, and and then we have the scene where we discover that Mimi hates the peaches and the horses. Yes. Um, do you want? Do you care to elaborate on that? I don't like this. Is this is kind of rough stuff? Like I think they handle it in a pretty graceful way, but it yeah. comes out of absolutely nowhere. So. So Mimi has aphasia, and uh, it gets aphasia gets explained in the episode. But you know, for the listeners, aphasia is just there's several different kinds of aphasia. One of the really common ones with stroke is that you simply lose the ability to to find words. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't you you know what you want to say, you can't say it. Like your words won't come out. There's all kinds of aphasia. There's aphasia where you can't read anymore, you can't recognize written words, you can't understand spoken words. Um, Mimi is incapable of speaking except in short bursts. And so Janine tells Claudia to try to speak to her with art. So Claudia is showing her pictures. I don't know if this was, this is where it gets weird. Claudia has drawn peaches and she has drawn a horse in a house. And I'm like, did she draw that because Mimi said that? She did. The day she before? did. There is okay. one single shot of her drawing those things. I believe in the hospital waiting room or back at her desk at home after okay. she's had that initial uh, conversation such as it is with Mimi. Okay. I was, I was a little just like, that's a weird It would otherwise be really bizarre that she just <laughs> has like a full page of peach illustrations. <laughs> and a horse um, in a house. Also, see, these, these skew a little closer to the kind of art I would expect out of a 12-year-old. Like, they're more like sketches. Yeah, so I will say that the few times we actually see Claudia in the process of drawing, it doesn't look like what ends up on the canvas. And that's fine. Like, artists aren't required to draw, like, gallery-quality pictures every single time they sit down to a, to a pad. But there is, like, a... <laughs> these are drawn by... These are done by different people. There's a bit of a disconnect. It's fair. That's fair to say. <laughs> Uh, not that they're bad. I couldn't draw a horse that well, nope. or a peach that well. <laughs> the peach is particularly impressive. Yeah, yeah. So uh, once, but once Mimi sees those particular drawings, she uh, the things she says uh, kind of trigger a memory in Janine of something that Mimi has discussed with her before, which is the time uh, when Mimi was very young that she spent in an internment camp as a Japanese American. Yes, and she and Janine. This is also where we found out Janine speaks fluent Japanese, because uh, because like people with aphasia, uh, sometimes you can't speak one language but you can speak the other. So Mimi is able to converse in Japanese to Janine, and 
kind of explains it all. Yeah, and it makes, I mean, it makes sense that Janine would have been like, well, clearly I should learn Japanese because I'm a person who understands many, many things. And yes. would, I would like to communicate with my grandmother in this way. It's not, I don't, like, it, this all tracks, this all makes sense. Yeah. And then uh, they, like, they go out to the hospital waiting room, Claudia and Janine, and Janine explains what's going on to Claudia. And Claudia is understandably very upset about it. Janine is really upset about it. And this, this is the first time we see like a lot of emotion on her part. Mm-hmm. And they, this is where they reach their, as, as we have said, extremely fragile peace. And they hug and they kind of like, they have not found common ground or anything like that. It's more just a, well, this situation isn't great. <laughs> yeah, they don't hug. They side hug. That's true. That's true. Claudia attempts to initiate a hug without standing up. <laughs> yes. They, they side, they bro hug in the hospital waiting room. Okay, to be fair, I'm in my okay. 30s. My other siblings are in their 30s. I don't know if I've ever hugged them full, like, facing each other. <laughs> I guess that's true. Maybe that's maybe that's unusual, but I know I particularly wouldn't have as a teen or a tween. That may, but I don't know. Like if someone's in the hospital, I don't know. In any case, it's. A, it, it, I, I do. I do agree. It's appropriately awkward. It is. It's appropriately they, awkward. They both seem like Claudia seems like she's kind of forcing herself to do it, and Janine definitely is. But yeah. it's a nice moment. It's. Mm-hmm. I don't know how earned it is. But I know it still made me cry. Oh, <laughs> see, uh, I was a little stuck uh, just because Janine does go full goes full educational episode yeah, on us yeah. for a second, like because she has to fill in the the viewers on what the it, it, we have one of these things where it's like, well, here is an explanation of what the Japanese internment during World War Two was. Mm-hmm. So we get this description, and then we get the the classic like TV show, Claudia saying, I know what the internment camps are. And I'm like, that's a TV thing. Like you had to explain something to someone who already knows what you're explaining, but you have to do it for the fact, because of the fact that there's nine year olds watching this show who won't have any idea what you're talking about. But Janine also gets in a nice jab at the American government at the end. Uh, where Claudia is like, why would why would anyone like imprison families? Yeah, and yeah. Janine says something like, why do, why do we imprison? Yeah, families? like I don't like we still do. Like it's a, yeah, it's interesting because if they are going to have the the like kind of the info dump, the really um, expositional language, good to have Janine do it because she's the character who does that. Because <laughs> she's the character who does that, and I will say that they don't pull punches with no. the description. It's dark. It's grim, uh, yeah. what she describes. Well, because uh, she remembered peaches because what they were served was like ro- like rotten tinned foods, including canned peaches. Yeah. Uh, they slept in horse stalls because the, the camp wasn't ready for them when they got there. It's yeah. rough. Like, it's a, it's a hard thing to hear. And credit to both the actors in this scene because they play it well. It doesn't quite feel like the resolution that I would want out of this. Yeah. But it's close. For me, it's close. So after, yeah, after we get kind of the button on the hospital uh, slash Janine situation. Uh, we solved we, the mystery. What, what now? <laughs> I said we solved the mystery. Yeah. We the solved- mystery of the stroke. <laughs> they don't, there's no like unmasking or anything, which is just really disappointing. <laughs> um, then we, we circle back to the Marianne and Marianne's room situation. Uh, yes. We get, uh, there's a key, there's like a, like, 
they kind of sneak in an emotional scene in there where they find a photo of uh, Marianne's mother and ha- notice how much she looks like Marianne at a young age. And also yeah. another photo of her putting up the Humpty Dumpty uh, picture in Marianne's childhood bedroom. Yes. Oh, and the, and the Humpty Dumpty is in the background of the photo of, of, of her, her mother. Yeah. So it was when, when so, she was a kid, so yeah, too. So yeah. we get this continuity Yes, of the Humpty Dumpty, which ends up uh, on the wall again. It kind of brings symmetry to Marianne's whole setup. But they do. They they put they hang the Humpty Dumpty up, and like Bobby from Queer Eye, they do it. It's actually a staging of the photos. So yes, the Humpty Dumpty, and then next to it is a framed picture. The framed picture of of Marianne's mom as a little girl, and then the framed picture of her mom hanging up the Humpty Dumpty. So yeah. the the setting tells Karamo would be like. <laughs> We found some pictures and I'm, I've put them out. I've put them out on your wall to tell the story. Cause this was, I spent this whole episode figuring out this, this one thing. And Bobby rebuilt the house. I was going to say Bobby as ever is quietly doing literally all of the work. Carrying <laughs> Anthony, the show on his back the whole Anthony time. cut up some carrots. Uh, Jonathan did a great job with the hair. Uh, Tan was mildly condescending. We're not going to, we're not going to think about that, but I, I really did the work. I, I found th- two pictures and I hung them up on your wall for you. Karamo's Karamo. the therapist. We all know Karamo is the therapist for people who would never seek therapy on their own. It's fine. <laughs> That's a good description. So yeah. Uh, so they, uh, it turns out she loves the room. She has hated no Humpty Dumpty. Yes. And, and, uh, at the end, at the very end of the episode, we get a bit where we're in Claudia's house. It's clearly about to be a club meeting because otherwise, why would all five of them be there? Uh, yep. Mimi can now sort of put sentences together enough that Claudia, like in English, enough that Claudia speaks to her. And yeah. then uh, we end on a kind of a cliffhanger. <laughs> a <little>. <laughs> <laughs> well, first we see Claudia painting a picture of a little girl at an internment camp. Yeah. Which I didn't. I was like, "Is that's that's not Mimi?" Is she it's gonna just, give that to Mimi? Because I was really I was really about wondering what was gonna happen with that painting. I was like, to me, like the 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 famous picture that Claudia paints is, of course, of Mimi, like in the books. Yeah, like that becomes that's a thing. That's a plot element in the books. So I don't know what she was gonna do with the with the this 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 picture of the little girl. Like maybe we'll it, this, work our way the, up to that. The phrase "we have to understand where we've been to know where we're going" kind of becomes like the mm-hmm. the catchphrase for the episode. So maybe that's Claudia. Like, if I'm gonna figure out why, I, if I'm gonna sell these Tootsie Roll Pop paintings, <laughs> I gotta dig deep. First, I gotta go back to my past. <laughs> First, I, I must document internment camps. Right. <laughs> then I gotta can, get real. Then we can move forward to Warhol. Build it up because when they ask me about these Tootsie Roll Pops. I can pull out these internment camp pictures and bada bing, I've got some cred. <laughs> What's the through line name? in that art exhibit? <laughs> like- <laughs> <laughs> from, from, <laughs> from atrocities to, 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 to sweet treats. <laughs> like, adorable. It's adorable. We got, we got, we get kids to paint stuff that makes their grandparents upset. <laughs> Perfect. No, there's yeah. Your, yeah, there's your through line. That's the connective tissue. I love it. Yeah. So uh, at the at the very end of the episode, then they take a phone call in uh, on the babysitters club line, 
And dun, dun, dun. the Pikes are going to need some assistance going to Sea City. And, and it is the most TV episode phone call. It yes. literally goes, Christy answers the phone. She goes, Babysitter's Club, Mrs. Pike, Sea City, like about that fast. I'm like, what, what, wait, what? She was like, Sea City? A, a week, a whole week of babysitting. All eight of them. All eight of them. <laughs> I'm like, wait, how is Mrs. Pike speaking that? Fa- this is this makes. But you're only supposed to notice it if you're listening for it, because this is where the camera's panning over to the little girl in the internment camp picture, which is beautiful. She it's did a great it's well, job. very well done. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's it's kind of a mix of emotions here because I'm like. I was supposed to be sad because I'm also trying to pick up on these like hilarious Easter eggs that they're like tossing to. <laughs> I'm so tossing excited to book about City, but I'm also supposed to be processing my emotions. Over. I'm also like a little like and like I'm anticipating and being introduced to all the Pikes in one twenty-some minute episode. <laughs> That's true because this one's not a two-parter. Like if you look ahead, the uh, camp one, Camp Moosehead, again, good idea to change the name. Uh, is a, is a two-parter. <laughs> Uh, this one is not, which is interesting. Although I guess right. it is. I mean, boy, crazy Stacy is contained in one book, but do we already know who the Pikes are at that point? In the book? Yeah, we do, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, they've been introduced. They are they are not regular characters, but but we know who they are. So, uh, yeah, we've been introduced to the Pikes. So it's gonna be interesting, like, to see how they do see a big location shoot, like a big yeah. like, uh, I mean, like the Jersey Shore is what this is so we'll yeah see, we'll see how that goes yeah. we get to see how they handle all that plot yeah. i gotta say you have a you've uh you've revealed some holes in this episode i'm not mad about it it's more just like i think i was just on such an emotional ride for it <laughs> well just like marianne saves the day i went into this with a far more negative attitude than i've ended it with i actually appreciate the episode uh, a lot more now than when we started talking. Um, I, I think it's one worth picking over, though, just because it's not a total slam dunk. The Marianne stuff for me is. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I, that's what I was going to say. On my second watch, I was like, I really like the B-plot in this a lot. I really like these these actors. And I feel like uh, Malia Baker, as Marianne, has really come into the character by this point. Mm-hmm. Like, I get it. I get it a lot more. So, Which is fitting because Marianne spends more time in the books as this Marianne than she did as the previous Marianne. It's true. And there were already kind of glimpses of her. It might have... I, I don't... Like, I can't speak to acting craft. Not really. Uh, but I think this probably comes more naturally to Malia Baker because she seems just so bright and sparkling all of the time and i can see right like I, I can see how it might be harder to play like the shy and retiring early marianne and i'm glad that she gets to do this one now like i i love this version of marianne uh this is a this is a tough call for me i like her about as much as i do in the books which is a whole lot uh-huh. <laughs> dawn is the only one who is like greatly improved for me on the show well as usual christy and dawn are my two my two favorites they just, I think, watching those two together. But it's really, uh, it's really Liz Thomas and and Richard and Sharon who I've come away from this show with like a deeper appreciation of. Oh, like, definitely. It's because they're real characters now, and Richard yeah. and Sharon always had the potential to be because they have such an interesting story. But it is instead just used as a device for Marianne and Don to get closer together, which is of course appropriate for a bunch of books that are serialized and aimed at young children who are. 
more interested in what the what the preteens are up to than in what the parents are up to. Can you imagine if you were a kid having to sit read chapter upon chapter of just the adults talking to each other about their relationships this is this is harsh but fair what's nice is they're they're all such bite-sized scenes and when they, when they happen we can be like oh that was nice we got to check in on them again yeah <laughs> and if it's really all that boring for for a child well they don't have that long to to muddle through and i will say anna and martin if you're listening which i know you're not <laughs> Please go back and rewrite the entire series, but from the perspective of the parents, where we find out that most of this stuff didn't really happen this way. <laughs> it, it was a lot more boring, and the uh, the BSC was a lot less together than the than the narrators made it sound. Oh, she would make so much money doing that. Like, think about think about how much money Stephanie Meyer is going to make yep. from finally <laughs> selling Midnight Sun, and then multiply that by a hundred. <laughs> yeah, she does, she does a full-length adult novel for each Babysitter's Club book. <laughs> Just a 350-page chapter book about Christie's great idea, but from Liz Thomas's perspective. Like, I know we're joking, but I would have... I would go to terrible lengths to get an adult's perspective on the California Diaries. Oh, God. <laughs> Which has... And if you're interested in an adult's perspective, listen to the California Diarists. <laughs> the adult perspective is mostly, why did I love this series so much when I was 12 <laughs> years old? Maybe maybe like a, an, like Ultimate Marvel did with, with Marvel Universe. Do like an Ultimate Babysitter's Club series where they like compress all the books into like a, a legitimate timeline that actually makes oh, sense in a human wow. life. How old are they by the end of that, though? Well, or would you simply like just have to compress and pick and choose like the most important vacations That's... to take place over this two-year period? I mean, we would have. To... There's so much you'd have to excise. Like, what about the trip to Hawaii? Are we keeping it? Are we getting rid of it? Or maybe Degrassi it with like a rotating cast of new babysitters, oh, so you I can get all it. those I get feel... all the adventures in. I feel like that would have been a pretty natural direction to go in if this had if this had gone on in perpetuity. And I'm interested to see. I mean, please, let's get a few more seasons of this this cast, but I'm interested to see what they do there, too. Well, I think we have come to a fitting end to this discussion. I think we have. Uh, yeah. So on deck, we have uh, Boy Crazy Stacy, which I think will be, it'll be fun, uh, mostly because there really hasn't been that much Stacy lately. Yeah, yeah. Also, we get some uh, Marianne Stacy. Uh, dynamic which we've had mm -hmm. none of so far so yeah so really looking forward to it well thank you everyone for listening and uh how, how do we sign off i don't think we have a sign off uh keep on sitting keep <laughs> yes. on babying <laughs> i like keep on babying let's go with that keep on and so i i i'm phil i'm christy <laughs> keep on babying